0: That there would be an expectation of what we've been called unto. For we know we've been called out of darkness. We've been called into the kingdom of your dear Son. That there would be an expectation that we've been called into a place with you that is glorious. A place with you that is powerful. A place with you that has the peace of God that passes all understanding. That there's healing, there's deliverance, and there's freedom in our place in Christ. And so we thank you for revelation, knowledge, and understanding. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here in this place. We thank you that you are a children's ministry right now in Awana, that as the youth go into their meeting, that you are there to bring revelation and understanding of who you are. And that in that revelation, true revelation that comes from the Spirit of God, the enemy, the gates of hell cannot prevail against those things, that will be set and it'll be opened up to us. And that we'll understand what you've done and we'll step into a place of authority that we know that you have given to us. That we will bind on earth what has been bound in heaven, we'll loose on earth what has been loosed in heaven according to the revelation that you have given to us. And that we will rise and be victorious. And we'll see the triumph of Christ and the resurrection come to pass in our life. So we thank you and we give you glory and honor and praise and thanksgiving for everything that will be accomplished in every heart and in every life by your word and by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good evening, church. How are you this evening? Good, good. Praise the Lord. Why don't you greet three or four people around you? Youth, you can be dismissed. Praise the Lord Glory to God. Good evening. How's everybody doing? Everybody's doing good? Praise the Lord. That's a good thing. We have a good good God. So that we can be doing good. No matter what the circumstance, what the world's doing, what the enemy's doing, we are triumphant. Amen? We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, because he's made us more than conquerors through him who loved us. Amen? I just want to uh, remind you of a couple of things. Um, Ladies, if you have not signed up for Rivers, please, pretty please, pretty, pretty, pretty please, sign up. Amen? Amen? Not that it's going to be bad, but I need to beg you. It's just better if you sign up now instead of at the last minute for a number of different reasons, and just consider for a moment if you were doing something and you didn't know who was coming until the very last minute, it might cause you to be a little concerned. And so, praise the Lord. uh, Just go ahead and make that commitment. Sign up. It'll be awesome. Then October 24th, uh, Muhammad Amin, uh, and I can't pronounce his last name, reading. Uh, Will be with us, and uh, as uh, Pastor Tasha said um, this morning, we met him, and um, uh, he was um, really uh, in uh, the Muslim faith and found Jesus. He has a tremendous testimony. I don't want to try to give his testimony. It's just tremendous, tremendous testimony, and no matter what you hear on the news, uh, God is doing some tremendous things in the Middle East And uh, the church is growing, people are coming to their faith, there's a testimony. I think that we need to hear and get into our hearts, because the people there, when they choose to trust in Christ, it's not a casual thing. It could cost them their life, it almost definitely costs them their family, but there's such a revelation of Jesus and the freedom that he brings, right? And so we compare that freedom with our American freedom, but they're looking at what they have and they're making a determination based on a revelation of who Jesus is, not what, what it looks like from a, a natural perspective, but what revelation they have. And so it's a great testimony. I encourage you to come bring people. Uh, that'll be awesome. Amen. If you weren't, uh, weren't here this morning or weren't prepared with your local church tithes and offerings, I want to give you an opportunity to give. If you're making out a check, make it out to New Creation Church. If you're giving by cash or debit or credit card, <coughs> you can raise your hand. The ushers will give you an envelope. And if you're giving by text, the number is up there. And I have a little bit of water. Praise the Lord. So Paul said this. Paul talked about uh, the church's generosity in many different ways. He talked about the church at Philippi, how they gave once and again uh, to His need. And he said, "You know what? I've learned in whatever situation I am to trust God. And so it's not that I have a desire or a need. But I want you to understand the abundance that God has for you. And so he said, listen, the the, the idea of giving and receiving isn't just to say, well, we're going to fulfill a need for someone else. But it's a place where we don't give out a need. We give in the understanding of what God has designed for us in the matter of giving and receiving. And so Paul said, my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Amen. And so we activate something with him that goes far beyond what we can do, and it releases what he can do for us, right? According to his riches in glory, not according to what we have or we don't have, but according to his riches in glory, and it begins to move in every need. And so there's a place in giving. Come on, there's a place in giving that God moves. So that's what he said to the Philippian church. To the Corinthian church, he said, listen, he said, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. He who gives bountifully will also reap bountifully. Heard a minister say just the other day, you know, it never works different. God is always true. You can't sow sparingly and reap bountifully. And you can't sow bountifully and reap sparingly. It's the law of God, right? So he says, uh, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one purpose in his own heart what he's going to give, right? Not out of necessity, because God loves a cheerful giver. then he goes on to say a couple of things. He says, now God is able to make all grace. Somebody say all grace. Make all grace abound to you that you have all sufficiency in everything. Somebody say "Everything." everything. And you're able to give to every charitable donation. So here's, a, here's two places. We could go on and on in the word. But where he says, listen, at the release of your giving, God supplies all of your needs. Not just your financial needs, all of your needs. At the release of your giving, he makes all grace, not just financial grace, all grace abound to you. Right? Right? So if we start to talk about, you know, something... Uh, we'll, we'll talk about healing in a moment. If we talk about, you know, God supplying joy or something, we're all ears and all of a sudden it comes to giving and we're like, God wants something. No, God wants to get you something. And there's a release over and over in Scripture that we see that, that if we're holding on tight, right? If we're sowing sparingly, it's just a law. But it says that in the release in our heart of giving... It opens up that God can touch every single area of our life. Amen? That's just what he wants to do. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for every opportunity that we have to give, to engage in covenant relationship concerning giving and receiving. We thank you, Lord, that you have more than we ever could possibly dream of. That you have have substance and sustenance for anything that comes upon us, any need that we have. And so we choose to not limit you by our thinking, by our ability. But to release our faith in the fact that you are able to make all grace abound. That you are able to supply every need according to your riches and glory. And we declare that over this people as they give in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can go ahead and pass those buckets. Praise the Lord. hallelujah i'm going to share just a couple of things with you and if it goes a little bit longer uh, praise the lord we have uh, not longer time wise but longer than i expect then we'll get out open open your bibles for a moment to psalms 111 as we were praying this morning before service uh, this just began to come out of my heart as we prayed and uh, you know we generally pray the prayers of paul uh, at some point in our our time for you Uh, Ephesians chapter 1 Paul said after he had heard of their faith and their love that he didn't cease to pray for them and He prayed that God would grant unto them And we can bring that into this present time because it's the word of God inspired by the spirit of God that God would grant unto them a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him The eyes of their understanding would be open that they might know what is the hope of his calling and the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints what is the exceeding greatness of his power that you release towards us who believe? That same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality, power, might, and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but that which is to come. He made him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fil- fullness of him who fills all in all." But he starts out and he he goes on to that place that there would be revelation of these things, that we are his church. We are the fullness of him who fills all in all. But he starts off with that wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Then we begin to understand here in Matthew, the, the 16th chapter, where we've been talking about, you know, Jesus asked this question of his disciples, who do men say that I the son of man am and some said well you're a great prophet some say John the Baptist raised from the dead you know some say a great teacher and he stopped and he said now who do you say that I am they're pondering Peter pipes up and he says you are the Christ the son of the living God and Jesus said, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. So it gives us a, a really a, a, a great picture just in a moment of what revelation knowledge will do for us. Right? Peter's in a position all of a sudden we know that Peter had to navigate some things even after that He had a great revelation. Certainly. He had a great revelation I'm, you know, I'm not trying to put something on Peter that doesn't exist there But just a little bit later Jesus said i'm gonna leave i'm gonna be crucified and Peter stands face to face with the Lord And says let it not be so and he said get behind me Satan You're only concerned about the things of man so you can have a revelation from God in one area and then the next area not yet have a revelation right you're the christ the son of the living god what that meant to him is you're the messiah you're going to set up your kingdom we're right here and jesus said i'm going to die and he said wait a minute i had a revelation that you were the christ how are you going to die and leave us all here alone he said just hang on there's further revelation right but he said the gates of hell won't prevail against revelation knowledge and so paul understood that paul had a revelation of who we are in Christ he had a revelation of the mystery that had been hidden from the ages he had a revelation of understanding of that thing that had been hidden that people didn't know that had the rulers of this world known they never would have crucified the Lord of glory had they known that in his death his burial and his resurrection a whole new race of man would come up it would be a God man born of the Spirit of God no longer under the bondage of sin but a new Man with a new life that was birthed from the Spirit of God would come. He had that revelation that was tried to be suppressed by the enemy. But in that revelation, the enemy cannot withstand the revelation that he's the Christ, the Son of the living God. And because he is, and he died and he raised from the dead, that we died and we raised with him. And a revelation of that cannot be stopped by the kingdom of darkness. It's a revelation. Right? But in that revelation, he says, I pray that you'd have wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And wisdom really, you know, a simple uh, understanding uh, of a couple of things, you know, because it says, you know, uh, on wisdom a house is built, knowledge is established, understanding it's filled with all good things. And so there's these three things that, especially in Proverbs, we see over and over and over again. And so knowledge is just the accumulation, right, of, of knowing things, studying things, knowing things understanding. And so when we look at the Word, we we hear the Word preached and all that, we gain knowledge, right? If you didn't know that Jesus was the Christ, Son of the living God, that He was born, uh, He died and raised from the dead, you raised with Him, so you have a newness of life, and you didn't know that when you came in here, you just went, huh, that was something I didn't know. And you can study it and get greater knowledge. That's how you get knowledge. But understanding is putting it together. So now I have that knowledge that I'm 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 born of the Spirit of God. My sin has been forgiven. right? My sin has been forgiven, and so I have a newness of life, but how does that fit with me right now? And understanding will say, now how do I put together that knowledge with who I am today in 2021? And once that understanding starts to come, then wisdom comes. What is wisdom? Wisdom is the application of, of that knowledge and that understanding how do i apply who i am to christ how do i apply what he's done for me in everyday life in everyday situation right and so we pray for you we pray for you uh, on a daily basis not every single day i'm not going to lie not every single day do i pray these prayers but almost every day i pray for you that god would grant you a spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of him But as we were praying this morning in the 111th psalm, I believe that he showed me this and it will help us. If it doesn't help us, we'll just move on. But in verse 10, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have those who do his commands. And it says, uh, you know, a couple other times in Proverbs, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Not that we're afraid of God, not that we're cowering. It just really means a reverential fear. We could say the reverence or the respect of God and his word is the beginning of wisdom. It's the beginning of wisdom. So when we begin to look at it, you know, many of you have been here for a long time. We were at a men's conference a number of years ago, and the pastor stood up and he said, you know, he's been dealing with something that God had spoken to him or or he'd seen that a casual observance of what you know in the last days could cost you your life and so if we begin to get casual with the word of god if we begin to base our christianity on convenience instead of commitment i'll i'll come when it's convenient I'll read when it's convenient. I'll watch when it's convenient. Then there's not real respect for the Word of God. When we do come, when having to go to the bathroom is more important than what the Word of God has to say. When showing up, now listen, I'm not chewing you out. I'm trying to exhort you, so just hang with me for a moment. Trying to help us in something. So if immediately you start getting your bristles up, it won't help us. If we come in 15 minutes late to worship, because it's just the music, how many of you like to have revelation that the gates of hell can't prevail against? How'd you like to have some revelation with wisdom that says, here's what God's shown me and I know exactly how to apply it? to the pain that's in my body, the sicknesses that's in my body. Instead of going, God, what do I do now? All of a sudden, I have a revelation and I know exactly what to do with it. And you might be saying, okay, Pastor, I know, because I'm here on time and I do all that. But what I'm talking about is what can collectively take place. Because I could be here worshiping God and reverencing Him, but if you're cutting across to me, then things are broken. But when we're here and we collectively begin to enter in with a respect for what God wants to do. It's the beginning of wisdom. It's the beginning of knowing how to apply what God has said to us. Anybody ever had a, any difficulty? Am I, am I talking to the wrong crowd? Difficulty to say, how do I apply that to my life? Great service, but how do I apply that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday? which wouldn't it be great if I could just tell you, right? Unfortunately, I don't know how to survey, and I don't know the people that Jack works with. But wouldn't it be awesome if today I could just tell you, I got a scripture, and I'm going to give you A, B, C, D on exactly how you apply that to the guys that you work with, your boss, whatever trouble you run into, whatever people that controversy you run into while you're surveying, I got this. Let me just give you A, B, and C. Would that be awesome? That would be nice. He just said that would be nice. And I think we all think that. And sometimes you think, well, if I was a good pastor, I would do that. But as soon as I could do that, none of you would come here because I would be way too much in your business. (laughs) Right? That's how the enemy works with us. I wish you could just tell me what to do, pastor. But when I tell you what to do, you don't want to do it. (laughs) I pastored long enough to know... That I've watched, people have sat and I said, if you'll do this and this and this, it'll change your life. And they get up and say, No, I'm not doing that. And it doesn't change their life. It's wisdom that comes from God. When we sit down and say, you know what? I'm just gonna come in and reverence God and I'm gonna respect what's being said. I'm really gonna cherish it. I'm gonna let it come into my heart. And God will begin to give you revelation. And it's not spooky. It just brings light where there was darkness. It's not like, what? That's what we get. We want the spectacular. I had a revelation. (laughs) And we miss a lot of revelation that God wants to show us because he's just showing us. It's light where the darkness, where I didn't know, where I didn't see. And he's like, just look for a minute at what I'm trying to show you. Look for a minute. We're way too much in a hurry. We don't have time. And if we don't have time, God can't show us what he wants to show. Well, God can show me anything he wants. Oh, really? How long have you stopped to let him show you? On, even when we see and say, man, we, we've heard about some revivals that took place, we, we, healings and deliverance and all that stuff. Well, if you study it, you know when it happened? It happened like in three-week meetings. Well, I got quiet. Can we get on another subject? No, where people were attentive and said, we will come night after night after night to hear the word to allow, take a moment to hear the word, to hear what Jesus has done for us, to hear how we apply it, to hear. And all of a sudden, after a week, after two weeks of hearing and hearing, revelation started popping, faith started coming, and bodies started getting healed all over because they said, I'm going to put a priority on the word. And when we do, God says, I'll open that word up to you. It's a weak analogy. It's the only one that I have right now, but does anybody remember, uh, maybe they still have them, but they were really big in the 80s, really weird-looking pictures that just had the same design, line after line after line after line, but hidden within that just plain old picture was a 3D image or a 2D image, whatever, a standout image that if you looked at it long enough, that image came out and appeared to you. But you couldn't just look at it and see it. You had to stop, right? There was something in your brain or in your eyes or whatever. Somebody might know all that, but just stay with me. I don't know any. I used to think, man, I'm going cross-eyed here. But about the time, my brain would just about go, stop it. And I would stay there, and they would start to cross, poof, it would come, and it would be the weirdest thing. You're looking, 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 and poof, there it is. And if you told somebody, there it is, they look for a while, and they're like, no, I don't see it. And you, no, here's what you have to do. You have to keep looking at it. And then they go, oh, isn't that so cool? And they were so cool that everybody was buying them or you were looking at them everywhere. But yet, we would do that for the entertainment of what's behind that. What's behind that surface thing? I want to I see, what's the next one? If you were in a store with them, you were trying to figure out how many different images they had. And you'd stand there, you know, if you had time, you'd just stand there and look at those images. Yet, as believers, we don't have any time to look into the Word of God until what's really in there begins to stand out. We'd like... A quick fix. Just tell me what to do. Just tell me what the word of God says. And so with limited understanding, we hear it. And then we say, listen, I'm believing God. I'm in faith. I'm believing God. But we really haven't taken time to stop and see and so, you know, we, we shared this a few weeks ago, but what did God do? God came to Abraham, and Abraham said, listen, I don't know, I love you, God, but I don't even know what's going on, because the heir of my house is Eliezer, and he's only a servant, and I can't have a son, because my wife is impotent, and I don't see any hope for my generational legacy to take place. And God said, just come outside for a minute, and let me show you something. And he said look up this look at the stars if you're able. And we know this that something happened with Abraham. Because he didn't say oh my god. I'm going to have a bunch of baby stars. right? He didn't go outside and look at the stars of the sky and go, cool, God, so I'm going to have a bunch of stars? No, as he looked up into the stars, and he saw the multitude of them, and he looked long enough, he saw suns and daughters. He saw Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He saw a lineage. He saw a legacy when he stopped and looked long enough, and he reverenced what, God, "God, I don't have time to go outside right now. I'm busy, and I'm upset that I don't have any children. I don't have time right now. No, he said, listen, God, if you're telling me to come outside, I'll come outside, and I'll take some time with you so that you can show me what you want to show me and even though when god starts to show you you're like great i don't need stars i want children god says look at the stars long enough if you're able and i'll show you legacy and when he began to not be so he says let's go outside and look at some sand great so now I'm gonna have dirt (laughs) I said listen the stars are out there and they're great in number and they're separated but now look at the sand how the sand just sifts together and it's there and all those granules come this is what your legacy what your family is gonna be like he says if you'll start to reverence me and not be in too much of a hurry and not always be worrying and stressed and distracted just long enough for me to show you something. God wants to show us something. We're all busy. God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? He says, just take a minute and quit thinking about what I want you to do and quit thinking about all the activity and thinking about all of the stuff and getting stressed about all the stuff and just stop for a moment long enough for me to show you something. Because if you'd let me show you something, you'd stop long enough to look at the cross, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, long enough that you could see you in that death, burial, and resurrection. I'll show you in him. Just like Peter, when he said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God, he said, now that you know who I am, I'm going to change your name and show you who you are in me. You're no longer Simon, but you're Peter. And upon this rock of revelation, you're going to build my church with me. He says, if you'll stop long enough to see who I am, I'll show you who you are in me. If you stop long enough to see what the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But you have to stop and say, I totally reverence you as God we get caught up in the need and the moment and the day and the time and we're like God I just need you to do something now I don't know about you but I don't know how many of you parents feel respected when your kids are just like you need to do this for me right now mom and dad you need to do this right now for me you need to do it right now you're like slow down just a minute I don't need to do anything What? There you go. He's just answering my question. You don't feel respected. You feel like they they don't understand. But when you can say, just stop for a minute. If we get all this done, you can teach them how all this can be done. and It doesn't have to be done right now. And they're frantic. I got to do it. I got to do it. I got to do it. They can stop. Take just a moment. Not interrupt. Not need. And when they do, you can show them how to do things, how to operate and do that. But yet we come to God and we get frantic and say, God, you need to, you need to. And if you don't, and if you don't, God's like, let me show you something. What you think I need to do, we immediately have a misunderstanding because you think I need to do it when I've already done it. Well, if you've already done it, why do I feel this way? Why am I feeling this way? Why isn't things happening? Why isn't he says? slow down for a minute so I can show you what I've already done and give you wisdom on how to apply what I've already done to your situation so that what I've already done can make a difference in your life. So we're looking, God, what do I do? Give me revelation. But we haven't slowed down enough to say, you're God. You're the omnipotent Father. You're the creator of all things, the heavens and the earth and everything that in them is. I don't know who I am that you're mindful of me, but I know that you are. And I'm so grateful. You are God. You know the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning. You know what you started. You know what you plan on finishing. You know that you've begun a good work and you've said you're faithful to complete it. How are you going to complete it? See, that's what we get. He's faithful to complete it. What's he doing? How's he going to do it? I wish he would hurry up. And all of a sudden, we get out of respect and into demand. But the moment we know, you know the beginning from the end. You know what you've already done. You know how you want me to apply it. You know because you've already seen it, you've already paid the price. Just going to pause for a moment and behold your love and your goodness so that I can see what you want me to see. We begin to realize and understand what we sing and have a revelation, He is all that we need wait a minute, I mean, I can't go to the store and buy groceries with Jesus. I need some money. Well, no, he's all that you need, because he provides everything that you have need of. It's his good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He says he already knows what you have need of. He already knows about clothes on your back and a roof over your head. He said, why are you worrying about that? I already know what you have need of. Even before you ask, I already know what you have need of. Well, then why don't I have it? Because you haven't stopped long enough to see what he's already provided and ask for that thing and put a demand on that thing. You're Always we tend to ask for what we want rather than what he has already provided for us. Wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That the eyes of our heart would be flooded with light. Flooded with light. Come on, it'll take a moment. Once your heart's flooded with light to go, (laughs) wow, there's some revelation going on here. I'm beginning to see what I didn't previously see. The veil is being pulled back to see into some things that God has only seen. There's things that are reserved for God that he only he knows, right? Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 9. It says, But eye has not seen nor ear heard, neither has it entered in the hearts of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. That's an Old Testament scripture. Verse 10 says, but in the old covenant, other than what the prophet could bring to the people, they could not know or see what God had planned and God had purposed. But Paul said, now there's there's revelation knowledge. He said, but God has revealed them to us through his spirit. But God has revealed them to us. So we'll we, we grab that scripture. Well, I can never know. I can never see. I can never understand. He said in the Old Testament, you couldn't. But now he has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we have not received the spirit of the world but the spirit who is from god that we might know somebody say no that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by god he said these things we also speak not in the words which man's wisdom teaches but which the holy spirit teaches comparing spiritual things to spiritual there's a place that we will get that we'll understand what god is doing And we won't always have to just compare spiritual things with natural things, but all of a sudden we'll begin to compare spiritual things with spiritual things where life resides, where life springs forth. He says, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God because they're foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. What does he say? He said, the natural man does not respect the things of God because they seem foolish. The natural man. But we're not the natural man. We've been born of the spirit of God. So we should understand that God had the wisdom contained through the ages of how he was going to change our life from the dominance of sin to righteousness with God. That we've been born of the Spirit, so no, no, we're no longer simply natural, but the Spirit of God lives on the inside of us. And so revelation can come if we don't think that the revelation from God is foolish, but we reverence what God has done. Right here he's saying, listen, this stuff that God has done, the Holy Spirit wants to reveal to us, but he can't. If immediately we say, well, that's foolish, anybody ever said that, or am I the only one praying and going, God, what should I do? And he gives me an answer, and I'm like, well, that seems dumb. (laughs) Because to the natural man, it does seem a little silly. And I'm not talking about being weird, right? It's just like, you know, God, I really want an answer to this. And he says, well, the first thing you need to do is forgive Bucky. What does that have to do with what I'm talking about, right? God, I'm talking about my job right now. I'm talking about what what I'm going to do for my family and providing for my family. And you tell me to forgive Bucky? That seems foolish. He's saying, this is hanging up. So once you forgive Bucky, all of a sudden, once I obey him, I reverence. You know more than I know. I forgive Bucky. Then all of a sudden, God says, now let me show you what I'm about to do. Because you've released yourself from that, that offense. Now watch what I'm about to do. But the moment you say, what does that have to do with anything, God? I got a problem here. Let's address my problem. It seems foolish that you're addressing whether or not I should attend church or not. Whether or not I should forgive or not. Whether or not I should pray tomorrow or not. That seems dumb. I need some help. Yep. Which immediately you think... God doesn't know that you need help. We're really saying, God, are you foolish? Don't you know where I'm at and what I'm doing? Don't you know the boat's rocking? Don't you know the storm is here? Don't you care that I'm dying out here? Would you wake up? But just get ready when he wakes up and calms the storm for him to say, is it that you don't have any faith or what's the problem? So we can read that and say that we're not natural, but there's times that even we go back to that natural man, and we want answers, and we think the answer that God's going to give us is foolishness, but the answer that he gives us, if we listen and pause, there's revelation and wisdom in that answer, because he'll say, if you'll just go ahead and apply what I told you to apply, the moment I forgive, things break loose, and I see Why I had to forgive him To move on Revelation Why do I have to forgive? Why do I have to forgive? Why do I have to sow? Why do I have to sow? Why do I have to be nice? Why do I have to be nice to people who haven't been nice to me? See, we have all those questions I don't know, why do I have to do that? Why did God say do that? That just seems really dumb with what I need to do Why I would have to go and be nice to Jerry (laughs) And that's what the natural man does It's like, this is really dumb Why would Jesus have to die on the cross for me? That's just really dumb. But the moment you receive what Jesus did on the cross for you, something opens up, and it doesn't seem dumb at all. It's life-changing. Oh, I reverence God. He's God. Then why don't we stop and obey what he tells us to do? He said the beginning of your wisdom is to respect God enough to believe that he has the answer more than you have the answer. And the moment that we respect him enough to say, you have the answer more than I have the answer, revelation begins to open up because he can show you why he told you to do what he told you to do. Why are you telling me to do that, God? I don't understand, so I'm going to do this. And he said, if you would have done what I asked you to do, I would have showed you why you needed to do that. Revelation comes. Turn over to James chapter 1. Say, I like better when you're talking about healing. This would be better. This, this has everything to do with healing. Everything to do with healing. Where did I say? Oh, I know. James chapter 1. Verse 2, you all know this. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the trying of your faith produces patience. The trying of your faith produces patience. Listen, count it all joy. I'm in a situation right now, and I need some answers. He said, just relax and rejoice. Why would I relax and rejoice right now? Why would I do that? Don't you know what my problem is? Don't you know my finances? Don't you know what my boss is doing? Don't you know what's going on in my family? Don't you know what's going on with my kids? Don't you know what's going on in my marriage? I can't relax right now. I need some answers. He said, relax. If you believe that you know the one who has the answers. God, if you don't do something... Now, again, I'm putting this in a little bit natural terms just to maybe help us understand. Maybe it'll just make you a little upset. God, I need an answer right now. I believe that God says, do you not respect me enough that if I'm pausing for a moment that you know that I know what to do? If you're always demanding that I have to do something and I'm not moving fast enough for you, or quick enough, or doing it the way you want me to do, does that really show respect for who God is? I mean, you still want revelation knowledge. A few less of you. Like, I can forego the revelation if I have to show that much respect. No, come on. <laughs> he said, listen, There's some patience involved here. Well, God should just give it to me right now. Yeah, but he wants to show you something. Patience, stop. Take time to look at what God is about to show you concerning your trial. See, we just want help, but sometimes we don't have any idea how we stepped into that trial So even if God bails us out right now, we'll step into it again and again. Anybody ever done that? Just me. Thank you, Jesus, for your mercy. You got me out of it. Here I am again next week in it. God, hurry, bail me out. Oh, I'm back in it. He'd like us to pause for a moment and say, now, let's think about how we got here. I don't want to know how I got here. I just want to get out. Well, he says, if we show you how you got here and we walk you through it, you might not walk into this again. That would, be good. that would be good. Thank you. Just trying to help us just be practical. But let patience have its perfect work. In other words, let the time right now, let God show you what he wants to show you. Let patience have its perfect work, that you might be complete, lacking Nothing. If you lack wisdom, if you don't know, you have faith. I have faith in God's word. I believe. I'm standing and believing God. But what do I do with what I believe? What do I do with what Pastor Mark said last Sunday? What do I do with that? He says, listen, if you're in a trial and you're being patient and you don't know what to apply right now, if you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives wisdom liberally and without reproach. Or he doesn't withhold wisdom. So if God's not withholding wisdom, and we're saying we want wisdom, what's the issue? Well, he tells us, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith without doubting. In other words, let him ask believing that God has the answer, because when I ask you for wisdom... And then you begin to say, you know, if I ask, you know, Bucky knows how to work on cars. I think John knows. If I ask you something that you knew, I'm like, can you help me with my car? And then he starts to talk to me about his, how I could fix my car. And immediately I'm distracted and I'm looking and paying attention to something else. Or John comes by and I'm talking to John while he's trying to tell me about my car. And then I'm like, well, I don't think that'll work anyway. Well then we just wasted time. It has to do with some reverence. With the fear of the Lord, the reverence of who God is, is the beginning of wisdom. And so when we're asking for wisdom, we have to ask in faith. We have to ask believing and reverencing that God does know the answer. And the answer he gives us, whether we like it or not, if it's his answer, it's the right answer. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. Anybody ever felt driven and tossed by the circumstances of the day? Come on, God's preparing us for what he's prepared for us so that we occupy it. We're not occupied by it. He doesn't want us to be driven by the circumstances of the day. He wants to give us wisdom to say this may be the circumstance of the day, but in the midst of the circumstance of the day, I have him guiding me, and he knows the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning, and God didn't get caught by surprise that I am where I am, but he will take me from where I am to where he wants me to go if I will listen and respect what he has to say to me. He said, let not this person who keeps doubting the answer that God gives him, let him not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded and unstable. We start to get a little bit freaked out if we keep asking God for answers and then not paying attention to what he's telling us. And our life seems to become unstable. But God says, I want to give you. He had that prayer put in there, I believe, with all my heart. Because he wants to give you. He wants to give me. He wants to give us. From his spirit, wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Beginning to end. From his life, through his burial, Through his descension into hell, to his resurrection, to his ascension, everything that he did for us, he wants to bring knowledge of that and revelation of what that means to us. And once we have a revelation of who we are in Christ, that we live with him. Our sin we died with him. Our sin was buried with him. We raised with him to a newness of life We are seated with him in heavenly places far above all principality power We have authority over the enemy and we've been raised to a newness of life Therefore sin no longer dictates to us But the righteousness of God dictates to us in a revelation of that now great. I'm a new creation in Christ How do I apply that every day? He says, I want to show you how to be a new creation. I want to show you how to apply that when the call comes in and somebody gets in your face because they know the enemy knows I can trigger it and you can get mad and say the wrong thing and break relationship and offend someone. Come on. He says, just wait for a moment when they get in your face and I'll give you what to say, how to apply your new birth right here. Yeah. Job, eh? And can lovingly confront what they're saying so that peace can be had. Bills are coming in. What do I do? How do I take the revelation of who I am in Christ and apply it to the bills that are coming in? Because I know that through him, he supplies everything I have. Instead of worrying about it, I have wisdom on application. What do I do about the mistakes in my life that I've made that seem to come up over and over and over and over again? Pause and ask him in the revelation of what Jesus has done, how I apply the death, burial, and resurrection to my past so that it's once and for all not dogging my tracks. How do I get wisdom and revelation? It begins with the reverence. True reverence and respect that he is God. That this is his holy written word. That he's ordained and anointed people to bring this to us. And the moment we respect that and reverence that, God said, I'll open up a revelation to you. And once revelation begins to come, I will give you wisdom in application and I will show you the riches of the glory of my inheritance for you as a saint. And I will show you the exceeding great power that I release towards you as a believer. That same miracle working power that raised Jesus from the dead. I'll show you. The authoritative power that you have that's in Christ who is seated far above all principality power might and dominion and every name that is named and you're seated with him in that same place far above principalities and powers I'll show it to you You say well great I'm seated up there what do I do I'll show you when the enemy comes how to apply your authority to what he's doing in your life what he's doing in your body what he's doing in your finances what he's doing with your kids, I'll show you how to take my word and apply it. Amen. Come, on. Come on, when we went through difficulty with our daughter, man, it was a, it was a shocker. Man, it hit me. In, in, I mean, you talk about getting hit in the heart. Knocked me back a few steps. And all of a sudden, Scripture People started praying. We started confessing scripture. God's showing us how to walk in love and apply the word of God to her life. Apply the word of God to her situation and trust him. Not what we saw day to day, but trust him. Because day to day, sometimes it didn't look so great. But just keep confessing the word. Just keep declaring the word. Keep applying it. Man, I had some scriptures I thought, I'm not sure this applies. He said, you pray this over her. Okay. I see now how that applied. God, if I was you, I would do this. So, a well, good thing you're not me, huh? I mean, I see stuff that he's showing her right now. And I'm like, you're right. It's a good thing I'm not you. Because I would have rushed the process based on how I feel rather than what you did in the process of bringing her out and bringing her up. Amen. Amen. Come on, God's not finished with any of us yet. How I many of you still want wisdom and revelation? I believe with all of my heart it begins with the reverence of who God is. Why don't you stand up? Father, we thank you, and we praise you, and we magnify you as the almighty God that you saw down, you looked down from heaven, and you saw us because you know the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning, that we're in the earth right now as a part of the kingdom of God for such a time as this. That you know exactly what's going on around us. You know exactly what's happening. And not that you've ordained it, but you know what's going on. And you know what the church is supposed to do. You know what we, as members of your body, can do and are supposed to do. So we ask you, God, with an open heart and with reverence that you have the answer to grant unto us, whether it's for our family, for our job, whether or not we're supposed to respond to different mandates or not respond. Individually, you know where we're at. We ask you for wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. That you might show us and give us wisdom to apply the things that you show us. That we'll ask believing that you have the answer. Not doubting you because it's not the way that we want it to be. And we know that you'll give us wisdom. We thank you God that we can trust you. Because you've already shown yourself trustworthy. that when we didn't know you, and we were dead in our trespasses and sins, you loved us so much. And in order to satisfy that love, you sent Jesus. And that every promise that you've ever made us has its yes and its amen. It's so be it in Christ. So give us a revelation in the knowledge of you that we might find ourselves in the revelation of who you are, because we've been engrafted in you. Let it not be religious, but let it be re- revelation that opens up our heart with light and wisdom for application every day, that we might live in this newness of life, that we might display to others what a new creation in Christ looks like, free. From the sins of the past and the mistakes of the past. Set free to live a newness of life. What it looks like to have a future and a hope teeming on the inside of us. What it looks like to confess your word and know that it's true. And bring the unseen into the scene. Thank you, Holy Spirit. For granting us wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Fill us with the knowledge of your will. With that same wisdom and with spiritual understanding. For your will is not carnally discerned. It's not naturally discerned. Your will to the natural man you said is foolish. But it's spiritually understood. So bring us that spiritual understanding of your will for our life. That we might see that your will for us is to be healed, to be whole, to be restored, to live in joy and to live in peace. To have a hope for the future. To be productive in every good work that you've called us to do. We might rise up and lead our families and lead others in the goodness of God. Declaring and displaying how good you've been to us. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're working a work that no man can work. As we open up our hearts, you're transforming and bringing us from faith to faith and glory to glory as only you can do. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Say so as we go. What God did in Christ Jesus bark seeds any damage done to me